This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. This week, deadline for democracy. We take a look at what comes next for S-1, the For the People Act. There are a number of scenarios in front of us and a lot of work to do over the next month to try to get S-1 passed by the end of July. We are joined by our state's organizing manager, Nina Masavi, and Kat Pipkin, who is on the steering committee for the Washington Indivisible Network, to talk about strategies, some upcoming events, and also the need for some self-care. That's next. A lot of people are wondering what comes next now that the voting rights legislation known as the For the People Act has been filibustered by Senate Republicans. Indivisible does have a plan for that. It is called Deadline for Democracy, and we are going to talk about it with two of the show's dearest friends. First up is Nina Masavi. She is Indivisible's organizing manager for Washington, California, and also West Virginia. Nina, how are you? How you been? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like it's been a while since I've been on. I've I know. Been really busy. So <laughs> it's exciting to touch base with everybody as we go into this last deadline for democracy push. A lot has happened. A lot is in front of us. Uh, you know, as it seems like it's just accelerating right now. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, we know that it was no surprise that the GOP filibustered the, the For the People Act S-1. And uh, we, we will talk about the path forward. But just in very straightforward terms, for people who may be a little confused about this, why is the bill not effectively dead now that it's been filibustered? So that's a really great question. And I'm, I'm happy you asked it because I was even listening to The Daily this week and there was an absolute mischaracterization of what happened in claiming that this bill is dead and it's failed. What happened on Tuesday was actually a cloture motion, which is a it's, it's part of Senate rules. It's a motion to open the debate for a bill. So it's essentially allowing the bill to be brought to the floor and senators can now comment on it. Senators who are not in the committee of jurisdiction can now present amendments and debate on it and and have a public opinion on the Senate floor. That is the motion that actually was unsuccessful as a result of the filibuster. But notably, we were able to get all 50 Democratic senators on board for that motion, which is in and of itself a a light support for the bill as it as it was introduced. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's any good news in all of this, it's that all 50 senators, Democratic senators, uh, did come on board, including West Virginia's uh, Senator Joe Manchin, who initially said he would not support the bill. As I mentioned at the top, you are now working in West Virginia, the organizing manager there. Can you talk maybe a little bit, just so people know, about the work that's being done on the ground there and how it may have gotten Manchin to move a little bit? Absolutely. So... For folks who haven't been following, which I feel like is nobody who listens to this podcast, I know everybody has been following it. We have been trying to move a couple of senators over the last few months to be in support of the For the People Act. And we got to the point about a month ago where we had 49 of the 50 senators. The last holdout was Senator Manchin. And about three weeks ago, he put out an op-ed that was saying in no uncertain terms, I do not support the For the People Act. I will not be voting for it. And our groups have been working in West Virginia for a while. I want to make that really clear. It's a small but mighty progressive movement in West Virginia, and they were instrumental in moving Manchin in 2017 on the ACA vote. And I want to highlight those West Virginia-based organizations because they are 
really doing the work on the ground. National orgs, we can support as much as we possibly can uh, with funding and resources, but the folks who are actually going out there, they're showing up to Mansion's office, they're doing the light brigades, those are the those, those groups on the ground. So we have a great network in, of indivisibles in West Virginia. They work with Working Families Party, with Unpack, with Young West Virginia, with Black Voters Matter, with everybody. And for the last couple of months, they have been doing in-person rallies. They've been doing light brigades. We actually, a couple of weeks ago, had a statewide coordinated light brigade effort. They showed up in a thunderstorm. Wow. It was pouring rain and folks got out there. They showed up. They've also been doing some LTE campaigns and uh, end meetings with, with Senator Manchin's office. So they have been pushing hard. And we moved from a place where he said, absolutely, I will not be supporting the For the People Act to introducing a series of amendments that he would be you know, willing to support. Uh, to Tuesday, he voted in favor of the cloture motion to open the debate on the For the People Act. So really, they have um, they've moved mountains with Manchin. And honestly, who knew, like even a year and a half ago, that West Virginia would basically be the center of the political universe right now. And we're very, very grateful to everybody doing the work on the ground there. We're especially grateful to you for your leadership. So the next push is to pass the For the People Act by the end of July. Um, and this is what uh, we know is, is being called for, for from Indivisible. Talk a little bit about what is important about that deadline. Yeah, so I'll talk briefly about Senate rules. So because the cloture motion did not pass, again, it does not mean that the bill is dead. It just means that it hasn't been allowed to be brought and opened to debate on the Senate floor yet. So what we are doing now is trying to get over that filibuster hurdle to actually bring the For the People Act to debate on the floor. So it's not dead yet. It can still be introduced um, for, uh, for a vote, but it has to first pass this cloture motion. So this deadline, this, this end of July, beginning of August deadline, seems arbitrary, right? And it seems like it's something that is just a nice touch, a nice you know promotional marketing touch, but it's not. We are in a place right now where every state across the country is looking at redistricting and they're looking at gerrymandering. We also have dozens of states that are attempting to introduce serious voter suppression laws and several that have actually been successful at passing them. The longer we wait to pass the For the People Act, the longer the Senate waits to pass the For the People Act, the more dire the situation is. More states will have their state legislature pass voter suppression laws, and more states will finalize their redistricted maps, which in a lot of red states will be gerrymandered. And that means that for the next 10 years, this is what the congressional map looks like, and it makes it harder for us to hold on to the House majority in 2022, which we are really like quickly nearing on, you know, we're halfway through 2021 right now, feels like yesterday, it was January. And um, we're about to start our primary process in states. And we're going to be looking at severely different uh, congressional maps that will make it much harder. And 
I know there's a big narrative right now that the For the People Act is a way for Democrats to rig the system. Uh, it's not. We're trying to fix the system that was already rigged by Republicans. When you look at the way that the vote went on Tuesday, you have 50 senators that voted in favor of it. They support they they represent like almost 50 million people in this country, right? I mean, th those are insane numbers. And it's a very clear difference between the number of senators that Republican or the, the number of people that Republican senators represent, right? So we are looking at an already rigged system and we are trying to do everything we possibly can to save this democracy and fix what Republicans have already broken. So that narrative is one that they're going to keep spinning and they're going to try to use it in their favor. But we know, you know, as Indivisibles and as a progressive movement, we know that that's just not true. Well, thank you for uh, making that point uh, clear, because we have been hearing that come up. And, you know, things really are accelerating right now. And as you say, the ramifications could not be more clear and potentially dire. We're, we're looking at a 10-year uh, period at which we could be impacted by all of this. So you have said that you believe that this is now less of a legislative battle and more of a push for a carve-out on the filibuster, like a special exemption on the filibuster. Talk about what you think this switch in tactics means from a practical standpoint in terms of what we are doing as indivisibles. Absolutely. So let me kind of dive into a little bit the difference between those those two fights, right? When we looked at what we were doing back in March, February of this year, we were still trying to get senators on board for what this bill looked like. We knew that even if we got all 50 senators on board, the filibuster was still going to be a roadblock. But the first hurdle was getting everybody on board. That was that legislative fight. We are looking at the actual contents of the bill and how can we get everybody on board. We are there now. We have jumped that hurdle. We have gotten everybody on board. But now we know that the roadblock is the filibuster. And we know it because Republicans used it on Tuesday to stop this cloture motion and to stop the debate from moving forward on the For the People Act. So our fight now doesn't necessarily look at the contents of the For the People Act. We are now looking at how can we convince our senators to be in support of a carve out for the filibuster to be able to move the For the People Act forward. And again, we're just asking for it to be able to be moved to a debate. It's not even the final vote on this bill. There will be, hopefully, there will be a robust conversation about the For the People Act and a debate on the Senate floor. But Republicans don't even want that to happen because they know they don't have a lot of ground to stand on and what they oppose in this bill, right? So our fight now is, in a perfect world, asking for the Senate to completely eliminate the filibuster in its entirety. It's not a perfect world, and we know that. So when we're looking at just the For the People Act, we want to make sure that we're getting a specific carve out for this piece of legislation. And it's happened in the past. So not only have uh, Senator Schumer and, uh, or uh, Senator McConnell, sorry, and uh, former Senate Majority Leader Reid, they have both actually been able to successfully do carve outs with within the filibuster rules for things that they found to be priorities. 
Republicans, right? And so we know that it can happen. We've even seen Senator Manchin uh, in the last decade support a carve out for the filibuster rules. So we know that it is doable and we've seen senators across the country be in support of it. We've even seen the senators in Washington state uh, say that they would be open to that discussion to look at what a carve out would look like for a voting rights reform bill like this. So that's the fight right now. We're looking to get a carve out simply to be able to start debate on this bill. That's the most important thing. Again, it's every at every moment we're reaching another hurdle and this is the hurdle right now. We just need to pass the cloture motion. We need to get this filibuster carve out and then the rest will hopefully fall in place. Ideally, and that's you know, the second. You know, I just keep thinking about how you know the Republicans have no problem with carve outs. They've done it for judges and taxes, which are the two things that they mm-hmm. care about. Um, so, you know, I want to talk scenarios. You know, the best outcome you kind of mentioned, which is that we come back after July. Every Democrat has agreed to a carve out. Are we confident that Manchin and Cinema will stay on board with the legislation if we get the carve out? So, best case scenario over these next two weeks, we do enough in the progressive movement that we push all 50 senators to be in favor of a carve out to move this debate forward. We come back the second week of July and they immediately open a cloture motion again and pair it with a filibuster carve out and we're able to bring the For the People Act to the floor for debate. That is best case scenario. I believe that if we are able to get to best case scenario, we won't have a large problem with getting the For the People Act passed. When a senator decides to vote in favor of a cloture motion to move this debate forward, um, not always, but in most cases, it is an indication that they are in favor of uh, whatever they've agreed to in their backdoor deal with the Senate majority leader. So in this case, we know that Schumer and Manchin met on Tuesday morning, uh, and then they had a great exchange publicly. They knew that cameras were watching. They knew that people could hear what they were saying. They had a really, you know, amicable exchange, a really respectful exchange um, on this piece of legislation. And Manchin made public statements in support of the For the People Act with the amendments that were agreed upon. So I think we'll have no problem if we are able to get it past this cloture motion um, to actually have it be brought to the floor. So in terms of what would be maybe like a moderate outcome, not the worst case scenario, not the best case scenario, what's kind of the middle of the road outcome in your mind? Yeah, so the 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 middle scenario, right? It's not best case, but it's not worst case is we're unable to convince all of the senators to come to an agreement on a filibuster carve out in these next two weeks of recess. And they come back the second week of July and they will go into talks between July 10th, whatever day they come back and the beginning of August recess for ways to come to an agreement on a filibuster carve out. And it'll likely take the three weeks uh, that they'll be back to come to that agreement. And they open it up to a debate and a hopeful vote that last week of July. So really, really pushing it to that last deadline. Again, that's that's middle of the road scenario. It's 
not great, but it's also not terrible because we still kind of meet that end of July deadline. As a reminder, most of the redistricted maps are going to be finalized end of August, beginning of September. If they don't have this wrapped up by the end of July, they go into August recess and the damage is almost already done when they come back in September. So that seems to be the most important piece of the legislation. And of course, the worst outcome possible is that there is no carve out and it doesn't pass before August. But, you know, beyond the fact that the the gerrymandering damage may already be done, is there damage in the bill being chopped up? You know, we, we talk about it being passed as, as a whole piece of legislation. What is the downside to it being kind of parted out and, and passed as individual bills? So the For the People Act was originally introduced as a messaging bill. So it's hefty. And it was introduced during a, a, a time where Democrats did not have the Senate or the White House. We only held the House and we knew we could pass it through the House because we we held the majority. And we came to a moment at the beginning of January where we now held the Democratic trifecta. And this messaging bill, this bill that was intended to make a big, bold, splashy statement, but not necessarily pass, is a possibility. And so the Senate and the House and the White House start moving forward with it. But again, it's a big bill. I think it's like 800 pages in its in its entirety. Uh, I can admit I haven't read it. I don't have time to sit down and read 800 pages. I can also probably say with confidence that there's a good majority of members of Congress that haven't read the entire bill. Sure. They have staff that's read it and they've briefed them on it. But this bill is big. But it's big because there is a lot that needs to be fixed. The things that are a little bit more time sensitive are the redistricting and uh, and the voting rights provisions of this bill. And those are the ones that are also the most controversial. Um, so it's and it's it's expected, right, that this is kind of how this fight is going. Also, as part of the bill, you have campaign finance reform, you have uh, transparency um, transparency language in there, and you have language in there that promotes easier access to candidacy for people who don't normally have access to being a candidate because they don't have the funds to be able to be a candidate. Really, it looks at our entire electoral system as a whole and how we can fix it. Worst case scenario is we're not able to pass this by the beginning of the August recess. And either Schumer cancels the August recess and holds them back to try to pass it as it is before the end of August, or they go to August recess and they come back and the prospects of being able to pass the For the People Act as it is almost dropped to zero. And we look at now what can we pull out of the For the People Act bring it as a standalone bill and pass. And it takes a little bit longer. It's a little bit more watered down. There are still going to be good parts of it, um, but it's not going to have as much of an effect as we would like. And you'll even see things like the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which is a wonderful, wonderful bill. 
You'll see folks trying to pass that and uh, pull some parts of the For the People Act that we weren't able to pass and include it in there and try to pass it under that bill. But again, it's chopped up, it's watered down, and it likely misses the deadline that we need to meet uh, to protect the states from gerrymandering. So it really is a worst case scenario, but it's not, it doesn't mean that everything in the For the People Act is going to be dead. It doesn't mean that we've failed entirely. What it does mean is that we lose a lot of our power in this democratic trifecta and a lot of the bills that we are pushing for, court reform bills, uh, renewable energy bills, climate justice bills, healthcare bills, housing bills, everything that we are pushing for, it means that each of those are going to be harder to pass um, down the road and it becomes harder to hold our democratic trifecta. You know, I'm glad that you're getting to all of this because it really, I think it's important to set expectations right now. I mean, we're going to work as hard as we can. We're going to be doing a series of deadline for democracy events all over the state and certainly all over the country. We'll be talking about that in just a second. But, you know, I just want to acknowledge for people that this is a very difficult time. It, you know, it honestly can feel like we're going from crisis to crisis with very little sustained periods of good news. And really, you know, I think the stakes couldn't be higher right now. Um, how would you like to see members kind of processing this and, and what should they be doing? Yeah, so this is something that I've been trying to talk with folks about pretty extensively over the last few weeks, and I'm really happy to be able to have this platform to speak about it. We have been going 110 miles an hour since, I mean, honestly, since 2017, yep. if I'm being really, yep, really yep. honest, but yep, yep. we've had moments of ebbs and flow this last big push that we've had started last year. We dove straight into the election cycle, doing direct voter contact work and doing it well, right? We, we won the White House, we won the Senate, and we arrived to January 6th hoping for a breath of fresh air, hoping for some relief and being met with an insurrection. And since then, we haven't been able to stop because we've been trying to make the most of this democratic trifecta. So we're looking at like a year and a half of going 110 miles an hour doing this work in the middle of a global pandemic. That's not normal and it's not easy. And there is no expectation that everybody should be okay right now. I can tell you from my perspective, from my colleague's perspective, we're all feeling the burnout. We know that you all are feeling it as well. And there is a moment where you have to look at your day and look at your schedule and say, I need to take some time for myself. And I also need to take some time for my community. So what I'm asking folks to do while we're doing this last push, look at the August recess as an opportunity to take a step back, to reconnect with your community, to reconnect with your group and with your members, with your family, with your friends, and take the time that you need away from this work to recharge because we're only going to be able to be as good as we are if we think about the long term. This 110 miles an hour is not sustainable. We are all running on fumes because we see the importance of this deadline. But once we get there, we gotta take a, take a moment to do things that make you happy, right? We have the opportunity to be outside with people gathering, if you're vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, whatever you feel comfortable with, we're able to 
to be outside with each other, to be inside if you're vaccinated with each other, if you're comfortable, you know, wearing a mask and doing that. Take that moment to have a picnic, do an outdoor movie, do a potluck, do a baking class, even if it's virtual, right? Do a baking class with your friends and with your group members, do a cocktail making class, a wine night, whatever you wanna do. Take some time away from the political work, away from current events, away from the news to just reconnect and remind yourselves why you did this. We came together because we care about our community. We care about the people around us and we care about the world. And we have to remember who we're fighting for and those are the people around you, your family, your friends, uh, and your community. So take that time during August. I know I'm going to be doing it. I know my colleagues are going to be doing it. And we want to make sure you all do it as well. Yeah, it's super sage advice. You know, I, I keep thinking about how, you know, the metaphor was always, you know, it's a, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But you can't run a marathon at 110 miles an hour. So, yeah, so everybody needs to take a little time out. Nina, as always, it is great to see you, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by and uh, filling us in. We're going to check back because we know this is a fluid situation so when you know when when we're at the uh, at, at the next hurdle we'll be checking back in thank you so much and to everybody who's doing deadline for democracy events keep up the good work let me know how i can help whatever resources i can provide i'm here for you we would be nothing without you this fight would be nothing without you the movement would be nothing without you we were able to move mansion. I know that we can move mountains. I know that we can bring the For the People Act to the floor and get it passed. And it's because of you all. So thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you all and enjoy your weekend. And up next to talk about deadline for democracy events that are happening here in Washington, we are joined by our dear friend, Kat Pipkin. She is on the steering committee for the Washington Indivisible Network. And of course, she is the producer of the Town Hall series. And she's my pal. Hello. How are you? Hello, friend. Are you melting on your end? Everything, uh, everything staying am, together? Actually. This is the look <laughs> you get when we have record breaking. <laughs> oh, my God. We're on the, the entire western side of the state is schwitzing right now. Uh, so, look, um, uh, as I mentioned with Nina, um, you know, we're going to be talking about the deadline for democracy stuff that's going to be happening around the state. But I should just point out that Washington Indivisibles have already been doing a ton of stuff in defense of the For the People Act. I've been taking part of it, uh, part in it. I know a lot of people have. Talk a little bit about some of the actions that we have done so far. Over the past three months, we've done a bunch of stuff. And this is just the, the things I'll mention are just the things that we as a coalition have done. This doesn't in any way account for all of the daily actions and calling campaigns and everything that independent groups that individual chapters have done. So as a coalition, we have had two uh, statewide letters that we've signed that were signed by more than two dozen groups that were submitted to the senators. We've had 19 letters to the editor published that we've wow. been tracking. That's great. Um, yeah, right. And that was just the first push, right? The second push is just now starting. So I don't think all those letters have hit publication yet. Uh, we had a one day Colorama where we relay called the senator's offices every five minutes for an entire day. We actually filled up that schedule and, and we know because people reported back that they made those calls. And then this week we've had a week-long Kalapalooza, which is a Kalarama on steroids. It was a five-day <laughs> call relay event where we tried to get, and we had uh, six to 10 people per half hour block calling. So roughly every five minutes, um, all week long in support of S1 and 
breaking the filibuster. We have been super consistent, super active, uh, just nonstop. Have you gotten yep. responses with this uh, from the senators that and their offices that you can share? Oh yeah, it is so heartening to hear. We've gotten email responses, we've had phone calls, um, and the message we're getting from them is how much it matters, how much it helps, that we're helping to create that stereo surround sound that helps them do what they need to do. Uh, of course, now we need to turn up that dial just a little bit. We're turning up the heat on that and need them to take even further and bolder action but I don't think it's a coincidence that the senators have come out and both have been much more public than than they typically are in support of things. Well, that is just incredibly, incredibly encouraging. It is great to know that we are being received in the spirit in which we are intending to extend ourselves. So, you know, now that the GOP has filibustered the For the People Act, our ask is going to change a little bit for these two Democratic senators. How is it going to shift, do you think? Well, I think right now our message needs to be pretty clear in that we need our senators to continue loudly and publicly championing S-1. We need them to commit to getting S-1 up for another floor vote before August. And that, that timeline is really important. If they don't do it, they need to be prepared to cancel August recess to get it done. As Leader Schumer said, Failure is not an option, and time actually really matters on this. Yep, absolutely. And, and Nina really drove that point home uh, in a big way. A lot is on the line right now. So, you know, for the month of July, Indivisible is encouraging members to really pull out all the stops. We are going to be creating and or attending Deadline for Democracy events across the state. I know there are a number of events that you know about. Uh, there may be even some that you don't know about. But of the ones that you know about, uh, there are some super fun ones. So what can you tell us about it? So the 10 I know of so far, and remember these just started going up on the board, the 10 I know of so far range from a letter writing picnic, uh, to which I will tell you more about, to an alphabet resistance, to traditional big rallies out in Seattle in front of the federal building. The funnest event is going to be down in Ocean Shores, and I hope everybody considers going down there for this. They're going to have a picnic on the beach where they will have uh, basically a picnic with Senate leadership is what I'm calling it, where they will have a life-size cardboard leader, Schumer, and we will also be providing them, as well as events around the state, cardboard senators, Murray and Cantwell. I am holding up, for people who are not uh, on video, I'm holding up six size uh, replicas of what we'll be getting here in the state. And we'll have them throughout the whole state. So it's going to be really fun. Oh, my God. That is so much fun. I love that. Um, <laughs> so if, if people are creating an event, first and foremost, if you're going to create an event, you can get some cardboard cutouts of our senators, I believe. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. So uh, what do people need to know if they want to start an event? The easiest thing to do is go to the coalition, the National Coalition website, which is deadlineprodemocracy.org. Indivisible is a lead organization in that, and they put together a fabulous toolkit to give people ideas and resources for hosting an event. So deadlineprodemocracy.org, there is a toolkit there. Excellent. And that is the same place that you can go if you want to attend an event. You can find one near you. Uh, Kat, my friend, um, this is all shaping up really, really well. And uh, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to going and having a photo op with the uh, with the cardboard with our cardboard senators. So uh, we'll see you out there in the meantime. We know it's going to be a hot one this weekend. So please stay safe. Stay cool. All that all that good stuff, my friend. Back at you.
So just a couple things before we go. Um, first and foremost, as Nina said, there has been a ton of work on the ground in West Virginia, and we are just so, so grateful to everybody putting in the hours there. And uh, in that spirit, I want to let you know about a fundraiser being put on by Lisa Ornstein and Olympia Indivisible to raise money for a great organization called Rise Up West Virginia. They are a 100% grassroots group that has been focused on voting justice, advocating for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, the For the People Act, of course, and eliminating the filibuster. They are going to be having an online concert featuring musicians, singers, and storytellers with West Virginia roots. It's going to be super cool. If you happen to catch the last concert that Lisa and OI put on, you know that she can really put together a great show, so you will not want to miss this. And of course, it is for a great cause. So the concert is free, but donations are, of course, very, very much encouraged. This is going to happen at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, June 30th. Again, it's online, 5.30 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, June 30th. It is accessible on Facebook for everybody. No Facebook account required. So just go to Facebook, look up Quarantine Happy Hour, and keep clicking until the concert shows up. I will have all those details in the show notes. We hope that you will check that out. And uh, just one last thing before we go. Um, Many of you in the Indivisible community know my mom, Jen Cox. Uh, She and I got involved with Indivisible in 2017. Uh, And since then, she has just been an absolute warrior, canvassing, rallying, and uh, most of all, just being somebody who everybody knows and loves and is always there to offer a, a kind word, emotional support. In short, she um, she rules. She just rocks. She does. Um, so this last week, uh, while she was in the hospital being treated for a, an inflammation in her heart, she suffered a stroke. Um, the good news is that it was not as bad as it could have been. Uh, there's been no paralysis or cognitive damage, um, but she does have a bit of a recovery ahead of her. So Uh, Listen, many of you have been so wonderful in asking about her, so I just want to give you an update. Uh, And also, I'm a big believer in the power of positive collective thoughts. Um, So if you you care to send some of that her way in whatever form that looks like to you while she's healing, that would be super appreciated and really amazing. Uh, I know she really wants to get back in the fight as soon as possible because that's just how she is. So, um, you know, I always think of this community as family. And you've really proven that to be the case over the last few days. So on behalf of myself and my mom, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for all your love and support. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to Kat Pipkin and Nina Masavi. The email for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And the website is indivisiblepodcast.org. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.